Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the Scottish Football Show, brought to you by the Rangers Rabble Podcast. Uh, it's the end of match day four, uh, so we're going to review the weekend's action, uh, the talking points, um, and see what we can bring you. Uh, I'm joined this week by Connor and Ian. Gents, how are we doing? Yeah, all right. Hi, hi. Um, it's been a it's been a weekend of a. Entertainment, I would say, and the, the the SPL actually. Um, like for what I've seen, there's not seem to be quite a few decent games in there. So, aye, well, looking forward to getting into it. Ian Champion, have you a long looking forward to it? Yeah, looking forward to it. My first time on uh, this season, so I'm looking forward to it. It's 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 been a weekend. It's been a day. It's uh, uh, VAR decisions that, um, quite frankly, astound you. Um, some refereeing decisions that astound you even more, and uh, some actually some looking at it. I mean, if you were looking at some of the stuff in isolation, there's actually some really good football being played this weekend in, in those games as well. So yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, let's not let the referees get in the way of a good party. That's what I'm going to say. Okie dokie. So uh, listen, if you've if this is your first time joining us, we don't talk about the Rangers games on here. There's plenty of content. Are the Rangers matches? Elsewhere on the channel, if you're if you're looking for just solely Rangers, then you will find that there. Here we like to try and uh, get a good overview of what else has been going on in the division. Uh, and I think today there's only one really place to start, and that that's Tynecastle for me. Um, Hearts really struggling, Connor, with this European domestic. European domestic, um, obviously pumped out of Europe uh, in uh, midweek, um, and then they welcome inform Motherwell to Tynecastle. It was always going to be a tricky afternoon for them, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I um, I said last week on the pod I, I fancied Motherwell to win this today. Uh, didn't get the scoreline right, but I've still got a point for the, the winner, so happy days. Um, no, I just thought they would struggle 
you know, coming back for a tough away fixture in Europe um, in, in Greece, the climate out there, obviously, the heat that's going on in Europe right now as well wouldn't have helped them. Um, and it was a it was a right scalping they got as well. Um, so I just they were, they were always going to be low in confidence. But to be fair, I thought Motherwell um, were fantastic. I thought they they looked lively and they looked sharp. Um, and they look like a team who are exactly where they are right now. Who've had an absolutely wonderful start to the season. Um, I think they're joint top of the league, which is, you know, impressive. Um, I think they were saying as well that it's they've not lost an away game since February. Um, that's mightily impressive for them. Um, so I thought they, they thoroughly deserved the win. And I think Hearts, to be honest, should probably be thankful that they are now out of Europe because judging on the form we've seen so far, if they were in Europe between now and Christmas still, They've been a relegation battle the form that they're on because they've been really, really poor. Um, they they won or two moments in the game. Hearts got half chances. Shanklin got one. It was through a sea of bodies that was you know straight at the goalkeeper. Um, and of course, even when Motherwell went down to ten men in the game, it didn't look like Hearts really took advantage of that either. So, no great day at the office for Motherwell. And I think I thoroughly deserve three points. We'll come on to Hearts shortly, but I do want to sort of rejoice in, in Motherwell's good turning up, or upturn, should I say, in, in fortunes, as, as Connor touches on there. 11 on the bounce uh, away from home without defeat. Um, Stuart Ketter will, he, he has an identity, he has a style. Um, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but he certainly has one. And some of the football that was getting played, as he's touched on in, in the intro, was delightful. I mean, let, let's let's talk about uh, Callum Slattery and how pivotal he's been for, for Motherwell's uh, resurgence. Yeah, I mean, that boy, he, he looks a quality player. I mean, they got to what levels, but I mean, for Motherwell, he looks like a proper quality player. Um, the amount of times he was involved in the decent passing movements, the quick one-two passing off the ball, uh, the movement was superb. And uh, I'm sure we'll come on to it in a bit when uh, he actually gets uh, the just rewards for his for his, for his his efforts today. But I mean, between him and Spittle, I mean, I thought Spittle had a cracking game for, for Motherwell today. Um, always been a quality player, likes a goal. Um, particularly against certain other clubs. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, Slattery was by... I mean, I'm, again, I can't take too much from it from the, from the highlights, but for me, I mean, if he hasn't walked out of that game with their man of the match, then they must have some team this year because he was decent. Uh, he just... Well, Ian, 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 go, go on about the goal because you were going to touch on the goal. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Flagged offside, which was ludicrous. Oh, he couldn't have been any more onside. He was two or three yards onside. It was not even like it was close. I, I, I mean, when it, I watched it and it went in, I mean, and they said it was stopped. For, even in the replay at speed, you could tell he wasn't offside. Yeah. So I don't know what the linesman was looking at. I mean, whether the linesman's not quite in line because he's not as quick as the players and the, it, from his angle, maybe. But I mean, I mean, it's one of the few occasions where you can actually go, well, that's VAR doing its job and doing it right. And that's what it's there for. Um, so it quite rightly gets that goal back from other walkers. It would have been a travesty not to have given that goal because it was absolutely brilliant move, quick moving outside the box. Um, I think uh, Neil McCann put it on uh, sports scene and said it was uh, it was a one-two and then a three-four. Um, <laughs> that's how good the uh, the passive movement was. They just cut Hearts apart and then in the box and a very composed finish um, against a good quality goalkeeper in Clark. I mean. He, he does pull off some decent saves even through this game. So, I mean, to get the... the see, yeah, through... he, he thwarted um, Slattery a couple of times prior to yeah. the goal. And then moments after the goal, Slattery sees him off his line, 
pings one Beckham-esque from inside his own half and, uh, you know, uh, Clark's sort of backpedalling, but um, he doesn't sort of trouble him in, in, in the after all. Um, Hearts, though, uh, Connor, it is worrying times, isn't it? I thought Tynecastle was very flat today and then you see at full time the booze ringing round, but Stevie Naysmith comes out afterwards and, and it's it's the same old story. It is the same old story for Hearts. I think, um, you know... To me, this is the sort of thing that happens when you put somebody like Stephen A. Smith in, in, in charge. They got a good bounce out, you know, when he took over for Robbie Nielsen last season and they made a, a right good, you know, fist of it trying to get back into third with Aberdeen. Um, however, they failed in that, of course. Um, and, and this season, they've just kind of... It's It's been very stale. Um, it didn't look, you know... It, it, they showed the clips. Fans were leaving the ground early. And to be fair given that there was a, a few minutes left of the highlights as well. It looked fairly early. They must have left. Um, so that's never a good sign. Um, I think they're a team in desperate need of this international break, actually. I think they need the next couple of weeks to to go away, rest up a bit, get them on the training ground um, as well and, and try and get their sharpness up and, and dust themselves down because it's, it's been a, a, a right tough month for them. Um, and if they're going to be anywhere near considering getting third again they're going to have to up at uh, Pronto. Um, my only concern for them is I'm not convinced that Stephen A. Smith is the right man for that job. He looks totally out of his depth for me. Um, I think if he'd come in in his first managerial gig in League One, the Championship, fine. You see that happen all the time. You know, Kevin Thompson, Barry Ferguson in the past have done that sort of thing. I just, he's not up to the quality. That, that you would expect, um, and particularly whether people, you know, love him or loathe him, he, he did have big shoes to fill with the job that Robbie Nielsen done there, um, and he's just not ticking those boxes right now. And his, his post matches are, they're just, they're, they're flat. There's no substance behind these post matches. It's it's the same stuff you'd expect him to say when you when you listen to him and you go, ah, well, you know, I'm lucky, or it's this or it's that, and you go, no, you know. You can use the European thing as, yeah, it's an issue, but actually Hearts have a bit of experience in that. A lot of those players had a Conference League campaign last season. Um, and they, so it shouldn't have been a total culture shock to most of them to have to play Thursday, Sunday, the last month or so. Um, so it's, I, I think, not good enough across the board. No, and as you say, uh, Stephen A. Smith seems to come out and doesn't defend the players. He, he goes for the jugular uh, most times. Uh, Rumours are as well, some Hearts fans stayed to the end so they could avoid the traffic. Make of that what you will. Um, Ian, I will say as well, um, you, you look at some of the, the the defending towards the end, you know, Dan Casey, who was exceptional last weekend as well, um, Bevis McGabby, they're celebrating blocks like they've just scored a goal. There's a real togetherness in this Motherwell squad and a real sort of um, commitment to, to, to getting bodies on the line. Yeah, I mean, people slate defenders when they do that, but I mean, I don't. If the defender's job is to defend, and if they feel like it's worth celebrating, let them go. Um, to them, it's like it's like scoring a goal then for, for them tackling like that. I mean, that Dean Casey one, um, all ends in that's going in the, in the corner. And he just flings himself at it over the bar. And then not long after, well, I say not long after, I don't know if it was, but it was in the highlights, uh, Mugabe does exactly the same thing. And the, both the two, made Boyce and Shanklin, on a normal day, that arrows into any corner. That's how good those two can be for Hearts. But like you say, with the, with the European run um, that they've had, 
and the heat and the, the traveling is it's not clicking for him at the moment. I think Connor's right that the international break has come at a good time for him. I don't think it's come at a good time for Motherwell. And if you're Motherwell, you don't want to stop playing. You want to keep going. Um, so we'll have to see what effect that has on the teams returning when they come back. But, I mean, they're defending mm. right to the very end. And, I mean, right to the very end. Even the corner at the end, I think uh, Motherwell player takes a, a foot to the face with the last action of the game just to make sure that hearts aren't going to get in. So, you know, can't knock them for that. Some superb defending and an all-round great team performance from Motherwell today. An amazing stat as well. I think 95 yellow cards in the Scottish Premiership so far this season. The first red today for a double yellow for Paul McGinn. Any real complaints to the case? No. No, not really for me. I think what <laughs> his first one's a certain but in the second one, I, in some ways you can feel a bit of sympathy for him in the respect that some referees might not have given him the second button for that. They might have just had a word in his ears because at first it looked like you know six or one half a dozen of the other um, but when you when you do see it back I mean McGinn initiates the first contact and then Boyce is actually obviously quite smart and, and at, at the end it was almost a spear for, um, for McGinn so I think at that point he, he couldn't have had many good points. I did laugh though when I seen him um, it showed to be highlighted when he went over to the fourth official you know hunting for the VR and all that and then he's you're thinking you don't get that for a for a second booting, mate. Um, but to be fair, you know, again, to Motherwell's credit, they they stood firm even with ten men, um, and they got it over the line. Because to be fair, if Hearts had managed to to nick that there, it'd have been a smashing grab. I think as well, you know, you've got to say as we head into the international break, no one would have thought it would have been Motherwell at the top end of that division. They certainly would have thought it would have been Hearts, um, and that's both Edinburgh clubs now. Sort of um, sunk in the in the bottom six. We'll come on to the the second of the um, the Capitals teams uh, momentarily. Um, but yeah, Hearts in real bother and, and Motherwell flying. Uh, okay then, yeah, up to Petardry we'll go because I thought this one was was quite a, a, a sort of a, a mouthful and tie on paper. But in, in evidence, both teams really out of form. Uh, Ian uh, managers manager Liz Hibbs obviously Lee Johnson sacked, David Gray and caretaker charge Aberdeen put out Europe um, to add to the list. They obviously had the consolation of going into the the conference league, but still, um, you know, struggling uh, domestically as well. Again, I think they're having the the issue with playing two games in a week constantly. I think like Hearts, they've struggled. Um, they look flat today. They didn't really get into it. A couple of chances here and there, but going into the going into it, both neither of these two teams have won a league game so far this season. Um, so. You could have probably edged your bets for a draw on this one just because of that that stat alone. But uh, someone had to give, and today it did. Uh, I think Hibbs looked pretty decent from the get-go. I mean, a couple of decent chances for Aberdeen, but I don't think there's there's any um, argument over who won this game and the scoreline reflects it. Uh, Hibbs were actually quite good today. As, uh, I mean, a lot of play goes through Boyle. Boyle's the man they look for. Um, he, he bought a free kick early on uh, when Fish... Um, jumped up to oh no, 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 fish. He played it into fish. Sorry, I'm getting the wrong person. Um, it was that McGarry who they sort of come into his back. Boyle buys it a little bit, but you expect that from Boyle. Uh, is a free kick. He plays the ball into fish who, who does leap at the back post. Um, I was going to put a joke in there, but Martin did enough of them earlier on today. Um, he gets his head on it, but it, it does go over the bar. And, and that was kind of the intention from Hibbs early on that was shown then from that point onwards. Connor, we spoke last week with Lewis about 
you know, Hibs maybe over-reliance on the likes of Boyle and, and Yuhan. Um, and we saw sort of the good and the bad early Yuhan, I felt, uh, in that first half in terms of getting himself into good positions. But just his, his decision-making and, and, you know, with that final ball is lacking. It, yeah, it definitely is lacking. Um, you've seen one of the instances where that, that burst of pace that he does have on him was, was really telling he, he plays a ball for himself, basically, a through ball for him. And he manages to beat the, the defender to it. You're just looking for a bit more composure in the final third in that scenario because he's got a couple of options available to him there. For me, he can either, you know, try and lift it over the keeper because he's too close to him to try and play it to the far corner by the time he gets on it. Um, and to be fair, to give Keller Russ a bit of credit, that's good goalkeeping to to close that angle off. Um, so you could try and go over him or I think the preferred option, square it across. Um, um, and I think was it Doidge, I think, or whatever it was, was in there, could have had a tap in. So he, he's still got that to work on, but I do think that they've got the makings of a cracking player. Um, <clears throat> and I think overall, I mean, Hibs, it's a win that they needed. Um, I, I think, you know, I agree with what Ian said. Um, I thought it would have been a draw today, personally, because... It just had the makings of it, you know, the two teams coming in off the back of midweek exertions. Um, but credit to Hibs for, for getting the win. Um, although, I do think Aberdeen should have had a penalty kick. Right, OK. Well, go on then. I'll let you go with that. Well, for me, when Duke's running into the box with Lee Miller, Miller, throughout that whole time, he's got his arms all over Duke, he's flapping away, um, yes, when he goes in the box, the arm stop a little bit, but you can see for me, it looks like he's put Duke off balance with the arm movements going on behind him, and then it does to me, it looks like he's just caught him um, on the back of the calf. I think it's a, a slight nick, and ordinarily, I'd maybe say it's too soft, but I think given the fact he was all over him before that as well, I think he's got a little bit lucky there. Um, I can see why VR overturned it, but if I was an Aberdeen fan, not so sure I'd be thrilled that that decision went against me. Because um, I think for me, that's that should have been a penalty. Because I think if it was outside the box, the free kick gets given and Miller probably gets booked because he was all over him. I think the fact it was in the box and then Duke goes down and it's how much contact between the legs, that's what VR have, have obviously looked at and determined it wasn't. But no, I think it was a, I think it was a stonewall penalty, to be honest with you. Ian, do you share that? Because, I mean, I've got to say, I'm in the camp that he took a dive. And I'm with you. Um, I don't think it was a penalty. Uh, I, I think he was... Um, I was hoping he would come to me first and I'd put you on the spot. But then again, it doesn't It doesn't matter if that's your view. Um, yeah, his arms were all open, but there's nothing unorthodox with what that was. What was going on with that. You see that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times over any game in any league around the world. He gets into the box. His foot's there. I think Duck sees it and tries to buy a penalty because if you look at it, he pulls his foot away. He doesn't touch him. And, I mean, even if it was a minimal contact, Duke doesn't help himself with the way he throws himself to the floor. He over-exaggerates it, which might possibly lead to VAR looking at it and going, yeah, not for me. Um, but, no, I didn't think it was a penalty, even in real time. Um, and I'm not entirely sure anybody knew what the referee had done because I'm pretty sure he gave a cold kick, but commentary was saying that he gave a penalty. So, yeah, I'm going to stay with you then. The, the deadlock gets broken. Hibbs makes some subs. Um, Christian Doidge doesn't give up on that ball, chases it down. 
manages to get it into New It's a lovely layoff. And the finish from uh, LaFondra is literally sublime. Uh, rolling back the years, he did not look like a, a 37, 38-year-old there. Uh, hits it with great force and accuracy. Nestles it in the far corner. Yeah, good flick on by Johan to start it. I mean, like you said, Deutsch doesn't give up. Um, change, I mean, a lot of people probably would have. Uh, took it, give it an effort to run at it and then slowed down looking at it going over the line. But Deutsch didn't, gets it back in, cuts it back. I mean, that finish from LaFondra. Um, he's rolling back the years, like you said, but we had a uh, back along. We had Defoe, who was pretty much, when it comes to football in terms of pensionable age, you just don't lose it. You know where the goal is uh, if you're at a certain level and LaFondra is, is at a certain level. He's got his moments and is a quality finish by a quality player. And then, Craig, you know, they, they go and, and they cement the three points. Um, David Gray delighted, obviously. Um, Did you, you just know, say Craig? Sorry, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Craig? He's going, isn't he? So, yeah, so a nil off the bar. Um, and, and Doyle's doing what he, you know, which is his bread and butter, sort of winning sort of, an ideal duel in, in, in the box. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's the thing, you know, he, he's a player who... Last year, you know, obviously, fell out of favour when it came out and stuff. But, you know, what for me, he's good in those areas. Uh, Aberdeen, I must say, defensively, it's it's poor. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, they've allowed a game ahead tennis to take place in their own box. Um, uh, you know, because it's literally, I think, it's headed initially for Newell onto the bar, comes back off the bar. I think the Aberdeen defender then tries to clear it, doesn't quite clear it. Then it gets headed on, I think, twice by Hibs players, and then dodge with the final header into the back of the net. You know, it was quite a scrappy old goal. Um, but, I, you know, in, in the end, up probably no more than, than Hibs ultimately deserved out of the game. Um, and he clearly deserved a goal because he's, he's been causing menace. I mean, having seen um, the last couple of weeks when they, they've been playing, the one thing I would say about Dodge is he looked, he's looked, a threat for them, at least, um, even when they've not had it going their way and they've been maybe reliant a bit too much on Martin Boyle. He's at least looked like you know he could he could cause some problems, um, and and today he did. So I, I think uh, I think I think it's a messy goal for Aberdeen to concede, but it's a, I think it's a really good goal for for Hibs. And uh, what it is as well for I think anybody <coughs> watching football, it's a good advert for how you keep the ball alive when it's come back in. You win that first phase of play, even if you don't win the second, you get the third, and then eventually, you know, the chance will fall. Um, so they've done that really, really well. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And Doge as well, you know, farmed out uh, to come on last season. He's come back in and he's really sort of grabbed his chance with both hands. Whenever he gets on, you, you really see him putting in a shift. Uh, you know, just finish on you on this one, just in the sense that, you know, Hibs, if they're going to win games and get momentum, is it a case then for David Gray to throw his hat into the ring? We saw it with uh, Kettlewell last season when, when Hamill went. He came in on a, on a caretaker basis, got a few results, um, and obviously the rest is history. 
Is it something that David Gray might be interested in, or do you think Hibs are going to spend the next two weeks sort of prodding and probing with the likes of Stephen Robinson, um, etc.? I think at the moment, I think they'll be really lucky to even get Stephen Robinson to come and talk to them. He's doing such a good job at St. Mirren. Why would he want to go? Um, you could argue that Hibs are a bigger club, but he's doing great things at, at St. Mirren. So I think they'd be very lucky to get him. I don't. I think Gray should for, should chuck his name in. I mean, was he not caretaker before they got Lee Robin, uh, Lee Robinson in as well? I can't remember. He Lee was. Yeah, uh, everyone's getting pulled up in wrong names tonight. I'm I'm having you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could know him as well because he used to manage Bristol City when I lived down there, so I should know him. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, no, he has had a caretaker role before. I, I couldn't be I couldn't pin it down if it was with, with, with Lee Johnson, but certainly you maybe think that that um that they won't go with him, Connor, and they'll just run with a with a bigger name. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think David Gray's a solid uh, coach. Clearly, he's been there. Through a number of managers, to be fair, he's been there for years. Like, even since he retired as captain, he's he stayed about as a coach um, under Jack Ross, under Neil Lennon, um, under Johnson. He's had some interim spells, um, and he's not done too bad in them. But uh, I'm not seen enough to think that you would you'd, you'd stick with him. I think Hibs have ambitions beyond what I think he would be able to deliver them just at this moment in time. Okay, okay. Um, well, a nice little sort of caveat there from from me and mentioning Stephen Robinson because we're going to go to Almond Vale, uh, Livy v St Mirren. Um, I think you know. Well, I, I say a shock, but no, I, I called it. I called a Martindale masterclass, maybe not a draw, but certainly uh, I thought they would do okay. Um, Connor, we'll come to you. And then Livingston on that pitch. I know it gets mentioned a lot, but I think there's a lot to be said for Davy Martindale's resilience in this division. He's, he's he's often tipped to get down. We mentioned it last week. They're not going anywhere, are they? <laughs> no, no, sadly. Um, I mean, I, I, I've tipped them to go down. I've been in that camp so many times, and they do. They keep proving everybody wrong. And I think, yet they'll be disappointed. I think at the fact that they scored with a minute to go in normal time, um, and they end up, I think, losing a bit of concentration in, in their final third, and it, you know, costing them an equaliser. That's um, probably didn't really deserve so yeah but the, to be fair they just seem to pull results all the time you, you, you see a game like that and you think well you know okay that pitch can be a leveler but St Mern are flying they're going there having won you know uh, six of the last seven games we just start draw in the last game you think ah, they'll, they'll fancy this even on that surface um, and <laughs> you know and Livy put up a right good go again as, as they usually do um, and I think what he, what he does really well for me David Martindale other than the pitch which we know can be the great level he, he sets his team up very well defensively and makes them so difficult to break down and he uses the fact that not only is it an astroturf pitch but it's quite a small pitch so he uses every blade of that turf um, and it was say grass there but that would have been factually incorrect uh, he uses every blade of that turf that he can to get his players into positions. And, and he says, if you're going to take something for us, you're going to earn it. You're going to work to get your goal. Exception being a slight mistake for St. Burns goal. But in general terms, I, I, I can be nothing but impressed with what Martindale's been delivering there for the last couple of years, really. Ian, he, he does... Oh, 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 Ian's gone. Well, <laughs> He's gone. You could have timed that any better, could you? Um, <laughs> Didn't want to talk about Sidman. Um, so no, I'll come back to you then, Connor. As you say, Livingston sort of 
they sort of make St Mirren pump balls into the box, which they're happy to gobble up, um, aren't they? Um, you know, t- uh, with, with the big, um, big, big boys at the back. So um, I, I thought Bacchus was was unlucky. Uh, nice little move, uh, and then he sort of um, gets it wide. Um, and and Keltio a similar chance as well, but that was all they really had first first half. It was, yeah. I think um, again, limiting them to excuse me, limiting them to is you know little to nothing. Um, and and it's you know for St. Mum, look, I of course they they should be they should be doing better in, in those areas. They should be creating more. Um, because you don't want to fall into the trap and look how many times we've seen Rangers do it, you know, we've seen Celtic do it, we've seen everybody who goes there, you fall into that trap where you do start trying to play the, the, the long balls into the box or, or the crosses and they, that's their bread and butter. They will do that all day long, twice on Sundays. They don't have a problem with um, Well, they did do I, it twice on Sunday, yeah, that's what we're talking yeah, about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think they just, uh, clearly, St Martin fell into that trap the day. Um, I, I thought as well, you know, they, they had a very tight offside call as well, Livingston, when they got in and Bruce Anderson had his goal off. That was the correct decision. However, for me, it was a warning shot for, for St Mum um, that I don't think that he did, um, clearly. But in fact, they conceded after it. So, no, uh, you know, a tough day for them. But I think they'll probably be happy to get up the road with a point really, St Mum. Strange that one as well that the offside you speak of because Bruce Anderson just wasn't convinced, was he? He was sort of he didn't know what he said. He was saying to the boys, "Don't celebrate your shit," because I'm not quite sure kind of thing, which you don't see very often. No, he wasn't convinced. And even Martin there on the touchline, you could have seen him going, mm, mm-hmm. "No, so sure." Um, that's how tight it was, though. Um, and actually, when you seen the analysis of it, it's it's just lucky Fitzgerald's done because he has actually took a a gamble by stepping up the way he did um, because if he's a fraction of a second slower in stepping up then Bruce Anderson's onside and that goal counts so you know it's one of those ones that ugh, you're just a wee, wee bit unlucky when they go against you because it's fine margins Ian we glad to have you back uh, we spoke before about Christian Dodge and, and keeping the ball alive Singari does the same Balls played in quite deep. Singari manages to keep it going. Um, it gets it right across the face of goal and, and De Lucas is there to, to tap it in. And, and you think Levy have got the three points at, at that stage? Yeah, I mean, you, you, I thought he did. 89th minute. So I, but the thought that was going through my head is there's nothing better than a last-minute winner. Um, so, I mean, it was a, a good movement, or a decent movement. Gets the ball in. He reacts quickest, puts the ball in. And you got to admit that Livingston probably at that point think they've done it. Just hold out for a couple of minutes, well, six minutes in this case. And and it should be home and hose, three points. Everyone goes home happy. You know, the the 27 Livingston supporters that were in the ground and uh, the the hundreds or so of St. Mirren fans go home on a bus. It's a long trip back from, from Livingston, but uh, not to be, as uh, we've already alluded to. Yeah, rumour has it that BK Hacken took more away fans to Aberdeen than Livingston had home fans today. So, um. well, <laughs> just on that, on that, that the equaliser, um, Connor Stevie Robinson sort of saying uh, in his post match that uh, you know St. Mern didn't deserve to win the match, um, and uh, you got the sort of vibe that Martindale kind of felt pickpocketed at the end. Yeah, he would do. I mean, you know, 
Ian's right, there's nothing better than a last minute winner except um a last last minute equaliser. Um when you when you think you've just lost it and then you somehow claw a point. So I mean look, it was it was daylight robbery really. Um but at the same time, I think if I'm Martindale, yep, I'm feeling like I've had my pocket picked. But I'm also asking my defenders a wee, that wee question going, listen, you've got to got to stay switched on until that, that whistle goes. Um I get it sometimes you, you you have that emotive, you know, oh we've got that last minute goal in the 89th minute and you think you've won it. Sometimes you get caught up in that a bit too much and you do. You see it so many times, just a slight switch off because you forget, especially in this day and age, just because you scored in the 89th minute, there could be 10, 12 minutes that you don't, you don't know. Um, in that case, I think it was six, but, you know, it's a it's a blow for, for Martindale. Um, equally, as I say, Robinson will be happy to get up the road with a point, and who knows, you know, that could very well be Steve Robinson's final St Mirren uh, game, because he may well be I, I certainly, I think he should be one of the candidates for the, the Hibernian job, so that'll be interesting to see how that unfolds over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Um, okay, then, I mean, as I say, just to sort of finish up on that one, I think Livingston will be happy if they, when David Martindale sits back to watch Scotland on, on Friday night, we, you know, we he's, he's working the early weeks because I think, you know, a lot of us tipped them to, to go down this year. So, um, yeah, okay, then up to, to Perth for the, for the Tayside Derby. Um, this one had the makings of probably a, a nil-nil written all over it. However, it did not disappoint. Um, Scott Tiffany. Seems to you know be starting now for for Tommy Doherty and seems to be a bit of a live wire early doors, um, adding into the, the mix of um, you know the new the new frontman Bakayoko as well. Yeah, still a name that drives me to fear Bakayoko, but well enough of that. That was that was we've covered all that. Um, yeah, I mean I wasn't expecting too much of this game to be perfectly honest. Um, as we watched Sky Sports on on Saturday, um, all the games in Scotland just looked destined to finish nil nil at one point. Uh, this game, I think, would have been top of my list for a nil-nil. Um, neither team really set in the Heather alike. Go for St Johnston in particular. Uh, I know they had a good result, and you can't take that away from 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 last week. And um, to go down two 0 I didn't think there was any way back for them. But there's something inside there that team's beginning to to come together, maybe, and they're starting to to fight for each other a little bit. Uh, and done well to to get themselves back into it, and, and the limbs in the in the St Johnston end. Again, I, I still think that uh, there wasn't that many fans there. If you look at the pan of the ground, that that stand behind the goal was practically empty. But the great comeback, and when you're not watching it and you're in neutral, um, it's always brilliant to see a team who are two 0 down and look dead come back to two each. It's it's a fantastic thing to watch. So yeah, fair play St Johnston. Um, Dundee, not one of my favourite teams, but you know they did play good football. They have, they did score two decent goals, but I, I, as a neutral, it was brilliant to see a, a two each from a two 0 That was brilliant. Conan, let's just go through that. Actually, Ian touches on obviously the comeback, but you know so, so, um, Dundee obviously go ahead. You know Tiffany gets on the end of that that back Yoko one, and he'll be claiming that all day long. Lammy then from the corner in the second half, uh, you know on his debut, he should have been there last year apparently. Um, so that mother one would be. Um, a season extra, and, and he get he makes it two. Tiffany then should should make it three with a header and make it up game over. Uh, St. John's at that point were all over the place defensively, um, you know, letting letting Dundee in left, right, and centre. But I just felt Chris Kane seemed to 
turns Johnson's fortunes around when he came on, um, offered something else up front, starts getting himself and, and making a nuisance of himself. Um, I think he hit the bar, um, and then all of a sudden, Graham Carey crosses and um, Kucheravi, I hope I've done that boy's name justice there, <laughs> makes, he makes it 2-1, uh, and you're thinking it's, it's maybe a consolation. Um, again, Carey, linker up with Kane, Kane gets a header, um, he was offering the most of any of the Johnson boys and really sort of dragging them. And then right at the death, the drill cross and Kucheravi can't miss and it's, it's pandemonium with Perth. Uh, absolutely. I mean, listen, you know, if David Martindale thought he'd been had his pocket picked, Tony Doherty must think he's had his fist broke into somebody's night his telly. Um, <laughs> that's honestly, I mean, how we eight minutes to go, you're two nothing up. Um, the chances they had as well, like you touched on, um, it was the one where the, the St. Johnson keeper makes an absolute mess of it, trying to play out for the back. Tiffany gets in one on one, got to score. You, you just got to score. Um, and it's what can happen to you when you don't take your chances, you get punished. Um, and they did. I thought St. Johnston, there's just something about St. Johnston where they're not playing particularly great, but they do seem to have a bit of stealiness about them um, in terms of they, they not giving up the ghost because it'd be very easy at that point when you've you, you've only got a few minutes left in the game, you're two down down just to kind of go, ah, you know what, now we've had a goal, but it's not been our day to day. Um, and they didn't do that. I thought Kane did did swing it. I think he's an important player for them. Um, if he can stay fit for the season, um, he's one of their more experienced heads, and that's something they've lacked. I think particularly in their, their cup campaign um, and, and their early start to the season. But I think Stephen McLean will be will be delighted because I think the draw last week um, at at, at uh, Parkhead and then. Obviously, to come back this week, it shows a bit of fighting spirit in them, and maybe, maybe rumours of their demise have been slightly over exaggerated. Um, I still think they'll struggle because they need more goals in their team. Um, that's that's really their, their point. But um, their man there, big um, Max, because I'm not saying he's second name. Um, he's <laughs> you know he he could be a, a, a vital part of that puzzle for them um, and I, I think at the end of the day I don't think Dundee can have many complaints um, when you don't take your chances and and they, you know St Johnson getting back into it so yeah um, I mean you thought it'd be a now now draw shows how wrong you were because it was it was a goal fest in the end <laughs> Ian just on that obviously St Johnson last weekend go to Celtic Park and, and were on a hiding to nothing come away with a nil nil draw um, had a couple of chances maybe to, to, to get take all three points. Today a different story. They go behind. Um they have to show character. Stephen McLean probably deserves some credit for these changes. Yeah, I mean we all ordered it last week because that's not an easy place to go no matter how bad Celtic are supposedly playing or how many players they're missing. I mean, like Rangers, if you're playing against St. Johnston at home, you're expected to win no matter who you put out because your team should be better than them. So we you know, they lauded that for getting a nil-nil there. Um, his changes obviously changed the game today and he manages to get from a what looked like a surefire defeat to a to a, another point. I mean, that'll feel like a win to St. Johnston because uh, I'm sure even their players are like, oh, right, we'll give it a go, we'll try and get back into it. If we're lucky, we'll nick one and then we'll see. Just to get it back to two each. I mean, they'll feel they'll feel elated tonight. Um, and so Stephen McLean, 
it's just been a struggle. I mean, this League Cup campaign was awful. Um, going out before the, the well, out the group stage is not good. Not a good look for any Premier League manager. Um, they struggled at the start of the season, but maybe just some green shoots for them. They can build off it. And again, another team that will be really happy that the international break has just come around because it gives them a chance to get back, get working, and hopefully improve coming back into the to the next next league game in a couple of weeks. Okay, okay. We will finish up uh, at Rugby Park. We'll help we'll get on to what I've seen is one of the most bizarre refereeing moments I've seen in Scotland for quite some time. But um, going into this one, Connor, a lot of people thought Derek McInnes would, would, would get back on the horse and this would be you know, a, a routine victory as such, but it didn't pan out that way, did it? It certainly did not, no. Um, you know, Kilmarnock at home, we know that the problem they had last season was their away form. This season, that seems to have continued, having lost at Motherwell last week uh, <clears throat> in what was their first away game of the season. Um, so you'd think, well, the home form, that's got to be what they'll rely on. They've, they've got that pitch. They've started well. They've got you know, results against Rangers and Celtic. Um, and compare that with County, who have been playing good football, to be fair to them. it's not. I don't think they've been particularly you know, blown away in, in any games. Um, I think they've held their own fairly well at times, but you just expected that Kumarnik would, would get the job done, um, and they didn't, and, and look, I mean it it's one of those kind of things where I think that shows the difference see when you're playing Rangers and Celtic and you're at Rugby Park in some ways it's almost easier because you're not expected to come out and, and control the game or attack or or do much of that, you're expected to sit back, make it tough, and then hit a counter-attack. Whereas when you're playing county and you're commanding, you're the favourites to win that game. So you're expected to control it and dictate it. Um, and I don't think they've done that well enough. Um, and, and county, I, I thought, ultimately, were probably the better team. I know, obviously, we, we have the, the the most bizarre moment I think you'll ever see. Um, well, let's pause that a minute because I want to talk about the first yeah, no, half, yeah, of if we can. Um, Connor, I'll stay with you for that initially. Just the, the Finlay through Murray penalty, yes, no for you. What, what did you think? <laughs> it's funny because in real time, um, I thought yes, I thought yeah, penalty. But when I, when I did see it back, um, VR had a look. <sighs> It does look like he gets the ball. I don't know. There wasn't an angle that, that showed me whether there was contact with Simon Murray or not, or how much it was. I mean, Murray is, for all he's a, a big lad who throws himself about there, he, he can go down quite easily as well, Simon Murray. Um, shades of shades of Duke in terms of the way he went down? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. I think <laughs> you, could, you could argue. We've turned him. Um, However, as, as previously stated, I do think there was contact on Duke. Um, Murray, I'm not convinced that there was, and he did clearly get the ball. But it's risky because when you're getting the ball from behind a player, you're almost always expecting that to be to be a foul. Um, in this instance, and the only instance I'll say that in this game, VR kicked in, done its job well um, for me. Now, Ian, let's come to the goal because... Jan Danda, um, he's a he's a guy that catches the eye. Um, I know Craig, not Connor here, but Craig from the Rangers Rabble is a big fan of Jan Danda, um, and he he sort of 
a lovely assist. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a ball begging to be headed into the, the back of the net, and, and Murray doesn't disappoint. No, and a superb header as well, bullet header. Um, yeah, Dan, the, Dan, Dan has always impressed me whenever I've seen him. I mean, admittedly, it's usually against us, but uh, he has impressed me when I've seen him play. Um, he's, he's got some quality, definitely knows how to, to, to make a chance to, to supply an assist. And like you say, that ball was just begging for someone to, to do exactly what uh, Simon Murray did and put it in the corner. Simon Murray's a dangerous player. Uh, sometimes I think he's a little bit too overzealous or over-exaggerating what he does and one too many touches here and there, but he has got quality. Um, I'm going to go against Connor again on the penalty. Initially, when I first saw it, I was like, never a penalty, stuck the ball. So that was clear. I didn't need VAR. Uh, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think that was a superb goal. Lovely header. You'd be so happy with that, no matter who you supported, if you put that in a box. And that gets put away like that. Superb. Connor, following on from that, there's one where I think it's it's, it's Jordan White who gets sort of laid on a plate to him just on the mm. penalty. Got to what the goalkeeper, right? Oh, at minimum, I mean, he had a, he had half the goal team, really. Uh, and the thing is, he's came into the box, he's called for that pass along to him. It's played absolutely perfectly. Um, at the very least, forced the keeper to have to produce what would have been, I think, probably a wonder save actually for that range. Um, but he's, he should he should have scored that that Jordan White. He's I think he's coming. He's just leaned back on it a wee bit, hasn't he? and he's <laughs> he's. He's blazed it into Rose Ed. Um, fortunately enough for him, I suppose it, it didn't cost him in the end. But um, aye, I think if he had that one back, I'm sure, I'm sure he'd have done it differently. And a bit of a mare of a day, did White? To be fair, it wasn't his best day. It wasn't, was it? Ian? It wasn't at all. And you see, he gets a get out of jail free card with the mess that ensues from this next segment. Um, Okay then, where do we stand on this? Because you know, Malky Mackay, I thought summed up well in the in, in the post match. Just saying, look, the referee's already blown by the time Finley gets his head on it. Um, you know, the rules are there, and, and it's rightly chalked off. W- what did you think, Ian, at the time? At the time, my instant thing was to this um, offside rule debacle, where they played a ball through players clearly offside. Not for this goal, obviously, but. Um, players clearly offside. We let the play carry on until it comes to the end of the movement, whether you score or not, then the flag goes up. A, a, a rule that I think infuriates pretty much everybody involved in football. So why can't that same rule be applied in this situation? Yeah, it's a penalty because he's grabbed the shirt, clear, clear to all to see, but it's not that long before the killy guy gets his head on it. Nobody stopped because they thought it's a penalty, so he's going to give it, and it's a perfectly good goal. I think Kelly have been robbed. I think Kelly have been absolutely robbed of um, of a point this weekend. Connor, is that, is that sentiments you would echo? Oh, 100%. I, I cannot... How a team, right, can have a goal chopped off for a foul committed by the opposition team, uh, uh, it's unreal to me. I mean, to me, the referees, and I'm no parent as well as the split secondaries, you know, there's an advantage rule in football. It's been there for a long time, um, as long as I can remember, certainly, probably longer, whereby if a foul is committed on an attacking player, but the ball then falls to another player in that team or, or could, the referee will play on the advantage to see if the advantage can be gotten. Obviously, if there's no advantage to play, then he'll pull it back. 
That is exactly what Kevin Clancy should do there. Because I thought what Derek McKinney said, uh, McKinney's? McKinnis said was absolutely spot on. It's no Kevin Clancy's job to decide whether or not Stuart Findlay's getting on the end of that ball. That's no, he's no football. You're a referee for a reason because clearly you were crap at football. So don't try and read a game when you couldn't read it, you know, to save your life. That's no your job. You should let that play on. Then the goal's given, great, one each, and you can book the Ross County player still after that for the infringement that would have been a penalty had they not scored. That's what should have happened there. And for the life of me, I don't get it. Equally, though, I'd like to know why in those instances, because I get that the whistle was born, right? But not a single player stopped. It wasn't like the Ross County players all just stood still and he's tapped in. He's headed it in. The, the ball was in mid-flight and he's about to head it. So everybody's still attacking it. Can VR not turn around to Kevin Clancy and go, look, we know you're going to give the penalty there. However, we think that goal should stand because nobody has stopped. So let's, you know, reinstate the goal. Because to me, it's just... He has genuinely blown the whistle. So before it connects with Finley's head, I mean, it's up for debate that, because I, I couldn't tell you can go so far, but if, it, if he has blown, then I think that's where, you know, the, the, the law would come into it. You know, I think the telling sign was when Malky Mackay sort of said, you know, Derek's, if I was if, it was, if I was Derek, I'd be, you know, spitting feathers as well kind of thing. So I think that tells you all you need to know about that one. Um, I think Ian, the fact that, that VAR didn't do that tells you that VAR can't do that because like oh you've got to think that VAR would pull that back if they if they can you'd have they'd have to surely so that alone tells me that VAR aren't allowed to to overrule that even though it is a very very clear and obvious mistake. But listen, Kilmarnock get a chance from twelve yards and Danny Armstrong, who's quite a talisman for them, steps up and you're probably thinking he's going to nestle this one away, but Laidlaw gets down and, and saves it well. Uh, and then again, you know, late on thwarts Marley Watkins um, with a heady chance as well, and so the big goalkeeper, you know, pulled off when it mattered. Yeah, Laidlaw. I mean, he's done that constantly so far from what I've seen of him this season. He's just pulling off saves. Um, there's been a few. I mean, and we're not. It's not a Rangers pod, granted, but in the game, the last game I saw Ross County was against Rangers, so I can't comment about any other game. But I think that the scoreline would have been higher if not for Laidlaw. Um, he has got it in him potentially to be a, a superb keeper in that respect. And and he's, I think, the tallest goalkeeper in the league. Is that right? I think that's one of the stats they pulled out for... for I'll, take, for I'll take your word for it, Ian. I'll take your word for it. Um, so it's not the your... tallest, one of the tallest anyway. Um, and We've yeah, lost the stat man this week in, in Lewis. He loves a stat, doesn't he, Connor? Um, <laughs> he certainly does, eh? He's just, just not a happy boy today after what's happened all over the country, I would say. Just on... Going back to Hearts now, you, you sort of mentioned, um, you know, uh, Stephen A. Smith maybe being a bit of his depth. Is Malky McKay a good shirt for that one? Um, listen, I, I think so. I, I think, again, you know, he's slightly blighted because I think some of the bigger clubs still look upon the, the issues he had um, with the, the text messages. And look, of course, it was unacceptable at the time. For me, the guys paid his parents for that, and that should not be held against them anymore. He, he's more than prove, proven what kind of manager he is at County's first season at County's took them into sixth place. That was unbelievable. Okay, last season they struggled, but what he he has done there consistently is he's he's galvanized a group of players who clearly believe in him. You could see that in the playoff when you know, and I watched that game and they went 3-0 down in aggregate to Bartic Thistle, and for all money, you thought. Ross County are dead and buried. 
you know, unfortunately for us, it's trips to Mary Hill next season. And um, that, that changed on a dime because they, they had that never-say-die attitude and they managed for somewhere to pull themselves right back in it. And that's what they, they do. They just keep scrapping. And I think if our hearts, why not look at a manager like Malcolm McKay and just think, well, what could he do with a bigger budget at a bigger club um, with more top-quality players at his disposal? He could, he could be a real threat, I, I think, to to most clubs in that d- division if he had, you know, the, the opportunity. So if I was in, if I was in Budge, um, I would be seriously considering um, Malcolm McKay if the trigger was to be pulled on, on Stephen A. Smith. I do know, sort of reading between the lines and in past interviews, Martindale does spend a lot of time at Tynecastle when he's days off in terms of taking in matches and taking in hospitality. So read of that what you will. Um, okay then, chaps, just a quick run through all of the lead standings. Obviously Celtic uh, top the table with 10 points, closely followed by Motherwell on goal difference. Then you've got uh, the Buddy St. Mernon third, Rangers in fourth, uh, closely followed again by Marky McCash Ross County up into the top six. Dundee in the top six as well. You know, that, that that's a a bit of a shock in itself. Uh, Levy level on points with them, followed then by Hearts, Kelly, Hibbs, and then Aberdeen and St. Johnson joint bottom um, with two points. Barry Robson is, I'd say, under pressure. I don't seem to see it for coming from any other outlets other than ourselves, but I would say he's definitely under pressure uh, under this early stage. Um, but, uh, yeah, a decent opening, opening four games for us in terms of the, 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 whole, the whole complexion of the, of the table, Ian. Yeah, I think it's... Um... Been quite good. I think there's been a, a, a the surprise element from um, from Motherwell. I don't think any of us really saw Motherwell being as they are right now. Uh, St. Mirren continuing on from a good season from last year. Um, so it's been a good few few weeks to take us take away from you from our own team. But it, it's been a good few weeks for the league overall, and the the product's actually been quite good for the most part. That the, the I mean, the games today, just some of the passing moves today. Well, we've already said that were, were just brilliant. Um, so yeah, good opening four weeks of the season. It's been really enjoyable to to, to actually watch these four weeks. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to. I mean, the, for, even for me, I think the international breaks come too soon. I don't like this one. Um, I'd rather we just cracked on, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, so I'm looking forward to coming back in a, in a fortnight and going again. Connor, final word to you, just in terms of how the league's shaping up and and maybe the surprise packages and and what it's looking like down the bottom. Um. Yeah. Listen, it's always hard to tell in four games in because it, it, things change quickly in football. But I think you've got to say for me, taking away from our own team, of course, um, I actually think the standouts in the first four games have have, have been Motherwell. Um, I really do. I think they've totally surprised me with how well they've done. Um, listen, I'm a North Lanarkshire lad, so I, I kind of have a soft spot for them in that aspect. But. No, I think they've been terrific. St Martin, of course, as well. The bottom looks interesting because actually, having now seen the four games in, I'm, I'm no so sure who I'd be picking to go down right now. At the start, I thought Levy Dundee, hands down. But both do still do look like they've got a bit of fight there. Um, that you just think, mm, will it be them? Um, so I think with, you know, that the first month has, has been and gone, I think it's been very good. And I think we've got plenty to look forward to coming back because it's all very, very unpredictable and, and sort of in the balance now. Um, and, you know, can teams like Mullow, St Mung, Livy, can they keep up their, their form and their performances? Can they keep that consistency? Um, 
I guess I guess we'll see. Thanks for rushing for joining us. Um, thanks for, for, for joining us. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, do like and subscribe. Um, it does help the podcast as well. Um, if you've got any ideas or anything, just leave that in the comments. We'll have a look at those uh, moving forward because the show is in its infancy. Um, Connor, pleasure. Thank you. Ian, pleasure again. Thank you very much. Um, and we'll see you again next time. Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.